Welcome to the Open Apple Podcast, where we celebrate the Apple II. Whether you're a longtime user, a nostalgic visitor, or a newcomer to the community, join us as we share news and memories of Steve Wozniak's most famous personal computer. Well, it's April 2012, and it's not quite time for the next episode of Open Apple, but we are bringing you a special episode this time of year with some very special guests. The year is 2012, and that means that 20 years ago was 1992, and that was the year of the founding of a very important, very special Apple II programming group who is still with us today. And I'd like to bring those programmers on board today and speak with them. So joining me today will be Antoine Vigneault and Olivier Zardini. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Ken. Hello, how are you? How are you today? Good, good, and you? Oh, fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you know, we are really, really proud to be with you because we really like the Open Apple podcast. Is it the first time you get some non-English native language uh, attendees? Or? Yes, it is. Thank you very much for being our first. Okay, so I hope that that's uh, not going to be too boring for the listener <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> one hour uh, with a French accent, uh, that could be tricky. Do you plan any subtitle stuff or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think our listeners will be able to hear right through your fake accents. <laughs> now, for our listeners who aren't familiar with each of you, uh, first of all, let's help them distinguish the voices. Which one is Antoine? Antoine's voice. <laughs> and Olivier? Yeah, I'm Olivier. Hi, gentlemen. So tell me about Brutal Deluxe. You founded this group 20 years ago in France, I believe. Can you tell me about how you came to meet each other and form a group? I think I will let Olivier answer to that question because he has a really better memory than mine. 20 years ago, Antoine and I was um, living in Bordeaux, which is the southwest of France, well known for wine and uh, other nice stuff. Like wine. And, uh, <laughs> we had... Of course, an Apple II GS, Antoine has the one, and I also got mine. In Bordeaux, there are several people from the uh, GS world, especially the guy from... Um, FTA. Uh, with, uh, FTA no, was not in Bordeaux at the time, they were in Dijon, but in Bordeaux, you have uh, the brainstorm uh, team, uh, the people in charge of a little bit later, the manager, Transprog, uh, Kangaroo, Kangaroo uh, and uh, Full Metal Planet. Uh, also, the guy who has created Soundsmith was in Bordeaux, Viber uh, Albert. So Bordeaux was an area where you have some GS user. You have also a big GS user group in Paris, of course, but we were at the time located in Bordeaux, and so everyone having a GS in the Bordeaux area was uh, very easily uh, in connection, I would say. Okay? So at the time, having a GS in France I uh, was having a, not, a computer which is not very um, used everywhere. Okay, you, uh, you, we, we were an exception in a, in, a, in a big area where the most popular computer at the time was the Atari ST, uh, the Commodore Amiga, and of course, few PCs started to be to be there, and also some old uh, eight bits. That's so, so b being part of small family makes you connect very easily to the guy around you. Uh, and France has a specificity, uh, unlike that we have in the US. We didn't have at the time something like BBS or thing like that, but we could connect through a network system named Minitel, which basically, uh, you can have for free at home, a kind of terminal, which is a 1,200 baud, uh, with a black and white screen and a keyboard, and you can connect, uh, to services. And among the services, the one very popular was, um, Ertel. 
Airtel, which is a building board system stuff where you can let message, receive message, you can exchange without a forum and things like that. And the Apple 2GS forum was very popular. And I think most of the people in France were connected to each other through this forum. And this is where I have, I met Antoine. Uh, and so we didn't know uh, we, we exist each other and we met through Airtel. And he says, okay, I'm in Bordeaux. I say, okay, I'm also in Bordeaux. Antoine at the time was more using the GS as a super Apple II. So he was more in the Apple II world. Correct. Uh, making animation and things like that. Using a GS, but still working in the 8-bit environment. I had a GS for uh, several years. And I was uh, in the process to start to make something with GS. To start to programming at a upper level. I wanted to create something. I wanted to share and uh, to have someone who can help, help me for that. And Antoine at the time... Uh, had, uh, of course, more advanced than me um, for programming and things like that. And I was looking for someone who could help me for everything, which is um, the loading um, routine. And I have to admit that when uh, uh, Olivier says <laughs> all of other things is uh, a cracking software. But at that time, it uh, the market of the Apple II market in France uh, was close to zero. The Apple II market, I mean, and so that cracking software means only copying software through black chests, and it was totally illegal. But that was the only way for French people to get the Apple II software in France. So, so basically, I was looking for someone to help me to um, to make the software I, I started. And Antoine was uh, the perfect guy because he has already the knowledge of um, how to uh, uh, to use uh, the Apple II and the products between GS and Apple II is the same. So I was looking for someone to help me to, to put the, the, the nice piece of code to be able to load into memory all the resources I was uh, I had on my disk, like pictures, music, and so on. I have to say that we were complementary and we found each other really and we everything fit well because Olivier was the IT guy, the guy with the algorithm and all techniques and I was the guy with the knowledge of the Apple II and that was a perfect match. Why were you using the Apple II and not the Amiga or one of the other more popular computers you mentioned? <laughs> <laughs> it was quite easy. It is quite easy for me to answer to that question because uh, I was an Apple II user for uh, about 10 years because when I was living in Toulouse, another uh, town in the southwest of France before going to Bordeaux, I was, um, let's say, an Apple II user because at the office of my father there were Apple IIs, uh, Apple IIs mainly. And uh, I remember when I was uh, younger at the time, I was uh, I went to the office of my father, and uh, I used to play a lot of shoplifter and Gato. I remember Gato in '85 uh, was the first software I purchased, and <laughs> the the first one I tried to crack, <laughs> and uh, it it was. Uh, it was very perfect uh, because my father accepted to bring one of the Apple IIs to, um, at home. And uh, I remember playing Ultima 4 at that time and then Ultima 5 later on uh, at home with my brother. And uh, 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 let's say I am a, an Apple II user since 1983. But the reason why is that that's because or thanks to my father. <laughs> 
the first game I played on the Apple II was Snakebite, a copy of Snakebite, not the original one. Yes, I remember that game well. That was a fun one. Oh, yes, a really great one. I believe you mentioned that you originally met each other online. Was the BBS scene very popular in France? Because I know here in the United States there were a lot of dial-up bulletin boards that were very important to bringing these communities together. Yeah, so as I was saying before, uh, the BBS itself, as you know it in the US, it means that someone having a, a modem at home and uh, trying to set up a, a server was not very popular in France. Uh... Yeah, this is correct. In France, uh, there was a plan of to uh, telecom, to telco, in at the end of the 70s, which, uh, which was uh, built or started by the French government. And... Uh, they wanted all people to be connected and uh, then they started at the end of the 70s beginning of the 80s uh, what we what olivier said the minitel and i don't know what minitel means but it was uh, sent or built distributed freely to each uh, House. let's say family in france uh, through france telecom who is the the, the 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 telco company uh, of France at that time, and it was really easy to connect to uh, plenty of services, from X-rated services to yellow pages to um, forums. Plane and so on. Yeah, it was really fantastic. You 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 were able to to book a train to go to. Uh, uh, Toulouse, <laughs> uh, for, uh, let's say, uh, uh, a cheapest, f a really cheap uh, fee. And um, it, it is still successful in France because it's still active and up in 2012. But uh, let's say it was killed by the internet accesses. But uh, at that time, it was the only possible way for people everywhere around France to connect. And as Olivier said, Airtel, let's say Réseau Télématique, probably. Réseau Télétel. Réseau Télétel. Télétel was the official name of Minitel. Uh, was the only possible way for French people, French Apple to users to connect and discuss all, all to discuss and uh, exchange uh, ideas, data through what we you knew as uh, news groups. I, I think one of the difference between the BBS system and the Minitel in France is BBS you connect your own computer. Okay, it means that you can use the computer to download or to upload file. Minitel is a completely closed system. You, you, the, the, the government provides you a terminal with a keyboard and, uh, and a screen, and that's it. So basically, Minitel was just something to uh, uh, write information, to read information, but not used to exchange files, as we can find in BBS. This is why uh, every activity, like uh, getting files or cracking software and so on, was not really part of the Minitel. Minitel was just here to uh, to write message or to receive something. It's, it was more a communication way uh, to find who is uh, not that far from you. And once you did find each other and decide to form this group, how did you decide it would just be the two of you? I mean, were there other needs that you had or other programmers you were looking for? No programmers, but a group is is not only based on the only your programmers. I think Olivier would get will have the right answer to that. 
the, the, we, we, we never start with something around table. It's okay. Let's make a group and uh, let's do terrific things. We, <laughs> we, we were more in the idea to say, okay, I need someone. Can you help me to make my software better? Can you provide me tips? Can, can you help me to do it? And this is how we have started. Okay. We, we have started a small step, making the first software together. And once it was done, or during the time we make it, we find that we could go uh, further. Okay. It's not something like you see it with your old friends and say, okay, let's do start something. It, it comes, uh, I would say, like that, well, without any preparation. So the thing also, comparing to what we can name other group, because we are only two. So a group starts with two people. So we, we are uh, the very minimum number of um, uh, usage to, uh, to be a group. Uh, we didn't have anyone to take care of the graphics, of the music, or sound, and so on. So, so ba basically, uh, the only thing we can do together is only, I would say, programming, uh, programming or interfacing the software. That's correct. So, uh, so we, we have very small capabilities in uh, graphics. We have very small capabilities in music and so on. So we had to, to talk to friends. Uh, and so uh, we were capable to find people to give us some music. A friend of friend of me was working on, with the Atari ST at the time uh, to make some graphics. Uh, and so on. So we, we were more in the charge of uh, transferring to the Apple 2GS uh, software available elsewhere on the Atari ST, on Macintosh, on PC, than trying to create something new. There is no demo, there is no something that requires uh, a lot of graphic, a lot of animation, or a lot of uh, music, because we have no one to do that. We are only two programmers. As Antoine was saying previously, we, we, we do not do exactly the same thing in the in the programming uh, time. Antoine is more in the um, operating system part. Uh, he knows JSOS, he knows how to uh, allocate memory, to uh, read fine memory, to um, to interact uh, with operating system, to start music and so on. I was at the time more in the core program itself. So I was programming the Apple to GS as a uh, 65816 based computer machine more than an Apple IIgs. So Antoine has done all the interface with the program and, and, the, and the outside world. I was most of the time more uh, in charge of the internal programming, like algorithms and so on. And these programs that you were reporting from other platforms like the Amiga, were you doing that with the help and permission of the copyright holders? <laughs> Not really. No, ah. no, that's not, that you can't say that, Olivier. That's not correct because I think you 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 missed one important guy in the Apple II community um, uh, at Bordeaux at that time is Nick GS, and uh, you the guy who founded uh, Callisto and then at uh, Trade Concepts and Callisto and uh, the guys you met. Uh, from that company and the guys who uh, were the graphists, uh, the graphic designers and the sound, uh, or how can you say, sound masters. And uh, we, you, you, you can say that we, we didn't get the rights to uh, all of the pictures or graphics because the images from uh, Biart, uh, from Dizzy is a friend of yours. Yeah, Didzi was a friend of mine, but it was not working at Atari at the time. It's the opposite. I present Didzi at uh, at Nicola when Nicola was looking for someone to work. So I knew the guy uh, in the previous life of uh, of a trade concept. So basically, uh, we were very few numbers to have a 2GS, 
we were more surrounded by people having Atari ST, Amiga, and so on. So we we had connection uh, with this kind of guy. Many of friends don't have any Apple IIGs, but they have other systems. And some of them were uh, graphics, some of them were musicians. And we have the capability and the connection uh, to know this little world, especially in Bordeaux, when uh, the Atari Concept uh, company has been created. We were capable to, co to to directly to be in touch with the people working there and to get without the authorization uh, everything which was required to do the game. The first game was Tiny's, and at the time Tiny's uh, named Tiny's on the Macintosh, named Tiny's Quick on other platform, named Brainies on the Super Nintendo system. Uh, this game was developed uh, in Bordeaux by a trade concept. And Correct. a friend of mine was w was in charge of the Atari ST version. So I went to him. I said, "Okay, give me all the graphics." Uh, and so Antoine has started to work on the on the game. We have done the game basically. And so we went to a trade concept to Nicolas, which which was a former Apple TGS user, and say, "Okay, look, Nicolas, look what we did." And he look at the screen and he say, "Hey, you did that without any authorization and so on." But That's at the time, he didn't, he, he, didn't really, he, he didn't really care about the Apple II GS because the, the market of the Apple II was dead in, in France and probably elsewhere. So he said, "Okay, you want to do it? Do it. I don't care." And so we we didn't ask the authorization to do the game. We, we did the opposite. Let's say that we took uh, everything to do the game. We did it, and so we show up uh, at a trade concept. And at the time. The rights about the Apple II GS release was not very clear. Uh, Atrade has the, uh, had the right to make the Macintosh version. I know that the right for other platforms, Atari ST, Amiga, was sold to another company named Loriciel. But the Apple II GS, people didn't care in France. They, um, they already uh, uh, didn't know what, what what Apple II GS was. So most of the time, people didn't care. So you want to do it on the GS, do it. We don't care. And this is why we, we were capable to do Tiny's with all the graphic and every logic and thing, because we ha I had a connection with a guy uh, who was at the high school with me, and he was in charge of making the Atari ST version. And Atari ST is the closest platform to the Apple GS because the graphic is 16 colors, uh, there is 320 by 200 line, and so it's, it's very close. Yeah, that's wrong. That's correct. And these programs you were releasing, were they for sale, or were you releasing them as freeware, shareware? Uh -huh. Always freeware. Always freeware. There is one exception. One exception is. Uh, Convert to 3000. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I... No, no, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's welcome, yeah, yeah. the world yeah, it's famous a, it's, it's, next it's, 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 Apple to JS programmer, young girl, yeah, that Lim uh, Tim uh, Shi. The, <laughs> the baby the, the, of there Olivier is no, There is a technical issue. There is a two years old boy issue. Uh, <laughs> Complaining his dad and say I want because he, you he, should he have come to he, my he, place he, and uh... yeah yeah I should have uh, moved to your to your home tonight but uh, <laughs> he, he, it was a bit he was a bit to be quiet but it's uh, that's okay now the question was uh, how did we deliver the software the thing is we we have to give I think to the community something okay for many years I'm going to say that having or buying a software for the Apple II in France was very complicated. Mm, okay? That's correct. Because we, we, we were in a system where everything was very expensive. Uh, a, a game in France, it was something like $100 uh, if you want to get it. Uh, so you are a lucky guy in the US because you can go at the neighbor shop uh, and get a game for 30 or, or, oh, or 40 bucks. Let me say it in the, uh, the other way around. The uh, exchange rate at the time was one uh, US dollar for five francs. 
that was the official exchange rate. When you wanted to purchase a software, the exchange rate was changed from 5 to 10. So that the software that would have costed you, uh, cost you, let's say, uh, 200 franc because, francs because of uh, $40 would, in fact, uh, for real, cost you uh, 400 francs, twice the price, and it was really expensive. So we had to find solutions to get software for a cheaper price. There were, mm -hmm. that, that was a totally illegal way of doing that, but that was the only way to import and use Apple II software at that time. It, it was also a time where you, when you are 12 years old, you don't have any money, and so on, so it's easier to, to get software free. So the idea is, Having uh, all this software for so many years for nearly uh, nothing, uh, we, we we have to we had to give back something. So it, it was yes, clear for us correct. that we, we were not making that for money. We were making that for the fun. It was a nice time because we were a, a user when we were young. We were capable now to create something. So we we are we are, we gain some uh, a step in the capability we have with the computer instead of being user. We were mastering the computer, and so it was time to to give back something. Yeah, that's correct. We had no wife, we had no babies. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we have babies. Um, so yeah, so um, everything was free. Uh, the first one, Biga, which was more a try of doing something, was first was free, but it was not very a great game. Tiny's was nice because all the graphics and all the logic from, came from a commercial software. It looks good. Uh, it looks uh, it, it looks uh, professional. And people were surprised to, to see that arrive from a, a very unknown group of, of, of programmers in France. The next one was um, Cogito. Cogito also was built on a commercial game. And this time we have a direct connection with the creator of the game, Jérôme Creto. Yes. And Jérôme uh, has sold all the license of the software for all the platforms, but not the Apple II. And Jérôme was a former Apple II user, and he was very happy to give us so the, the opportunity to make the Apple to GS release, uh, and so yeah. that's what we did. I have I have the Pascal source code of Cogito for the Macintosh <laughs> Some, somewhere around me. <laughs> and so we were in a situation where we had the capability to do it, but the, the issue was uh, on Macintosh. The graphic was uh, 256 colors. And so we had to find a way to display all of these nice colors on the JS screen. So we, we took the decision to make <laughs> to grayscale make back, software. Black uh, and white. The, 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 the grayscale software yeah. uh, was one way to render the, the graphic as good as we could. And Cogito was um, uh, a reflection game. So we don't really care if we lose some color, it was okay. A little bit later, we, 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 we did it again. This time for the second site uh, card, VGA card. And we had the of course, the capability to use a full graphic color, the 256 color, and it was nice. I think we say a thinking game and a reflection because it is more a false friend than uh, another uh, option for I, I, us. I think we, we did Cogito most of because it was easy to do. Yes. Uh, we were in the hurry to do software because we were in 1992 and uh, the market was decreasing. The people of the number of people having Apple to GS was uh, decreasing. So we, we we were in a hurry to to make something quick, okay, to give as much as we could uh, in the time in the very short time we had.
Yes, I wanted to say that Olivier had all the connections to gather all what is necessary to get a normal software. I mean, uh, graphics, musics, and uh, we had connections to uh, the, all the guys in France who were doing software for the Apple II, for the Apple World. I don't say Apple II, but the Apple World, meaning more the Macintosh and the Apple II, because at the time Apple was trying to uh, sell Macintoshes more than Apple IIs, and uh, we had connections to great people like uh, uh, Jérôme Creto, as Olivier said earlier, and uh, the. Uh, what is great within that is that all those people knew each other thanks to the French Minitel, so that we are, uh, we were virtual friends, and that was quite easy for us to gather all uh, graphics, musics, and uh, algorithms from from the different software of the different platforms because we had such connections, and that helped us a lot in creating software. And uh, that's the reason why uh, the uh, I remember Joe Cohn's uh, contributions and uh, saying that uh, it uh, the virtual Lux software looks li or look like uh, normal software or uh, how can I say that to uh, commercial software that is the right uh, the right term that's because we ha we had the links to the software that was sold for other platforms and. Uh, that was a great honor for us to donate uh, the software we were building because we were free, we had no wife, we had no ch screaming children. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the, we did not want to make any money because the Apple II market in France was dead. And the only reason why we wanted to uh, to add a commercial software was convert to uh, and two thousand three uh, no three hundred three thousand two hundred. I still have issues with uh, your uh, the way you you name and uh, figures. Is that it was the first real let's say, original software that we were creating, Olivier and I. And adapting software is totally different from developing software, because the approach is totally different. When you adapt software, you start with something else. The work from designers, the work from musicians. When you start a new software, you do it from scratch. You have a blank sheet of paper and you have to say, I would like this software to do this or that and get uh, the features and converting pictures in less than 10 seconds and deliver the best pictures that we have never had in the Apple II world, etc. Et and uh, we also wanted to uh, fight against piracy, you know. <laughs> it was. Quite challenging for me, especially because I was I was an Apple II French uh, pirate at the time, and uh, it's uh, it's a matter of uh, organization. I mean, and uh, thanks to what Olivier knew about software development, that helped us a lot in telling the tasks devoted, allocated to each guy in the group, meaning Olivier and I. <laughs> Because as Olivier said, we were only two people. But it was uh, a way for us to say that we didn't 
well, we were we weren't doing that only for free, but for people who were uh, happy and uh, who were, uh, let's say, uh, still using Apple, an Apple II as a primary computer. And uh, I didn't think that at the time people were still using Apple IIs as a main computer. But it was a real pleasure to receive from uh, Joe Cohn a list of the Apple II users who purchased Covert uh, 3200 and, <laughs> 200, and uh, le letting us know that from uh, France to uh, the uh, going through the United States, then uh, moving to uh, uh, the uh, Asia Park area, there were people using. Apple IIs, that was fantastic, knowing that even at the time when the internet was widespreading but not at home, but only at the universities, there were people using our software and uh, for a small fee of, oh, uh, Olivier will tell us, but I think it was for uh, 10 or 15 US dollars. And yeah, with, with the, the price was 15, uh, divided three, five dollars for the shipping cost and the disc, mm -hmm. five dollars for us and five for Joe. Okay, f thanks for that. And uh, it, it was very fantastic. I was very glad to uh, to see that we, we sold, uh, if I remember correctly, more than 200 copies of that. M much more, much more, much more. Much more, oh. Much, much more. We, we received our first $1,000 check. We still have a copy of it because one thousand is a uh, is a nice number, and we, we don't care about the money because I, we we were working uh, already a little bit. So we we care about money in another way, so to buy stuff. But one thousand dollars was nice, but we we have never asked for for the remaining part. So uh, the first two thousand two hundred copies we, we received the check, uh, but we we didn't ask uh, for for the next ones. So th there was more than two hundred because two hundred was the first uh, the two first months of I think of selling the software. And you said that was Lemmings that Joe Cohn was selling? Uh, no, the, the Lemmings was free. We we have oh, never, okay. we, we, we have never we have never sold Lemmings for two reasons. First of all, of course, because it's a copyright software, we don't right. have any right on it. Okay, right. so we, we can't sell it. Convert it's different. Convert it's a one hundred percent software. We have written with algorithm, GIF, conversion, and so on. So basically, it, it was easy. Uh, Lemmings, it's a game. Uh, it was free in France. Uh, we gave it uh, through a GS club, which was a a bi-monthly um, computer on a disc uh, magazine dedicated on the GS. We gave it in Switzerland to uh, to the one who have uh, purchased or at least pays a share fee oh, for, the, for, for, for the emulator of the Apple II GS. And we say, okay, let's give it to the US, but we, we can make something nice. We can say, thanks to the one who have purchased Convert. If you have convert, purchased Convert, you can receive uh, Lemmings for free. Of course, of course, the game was not copy protected, so we, we, we perfectly knew that the next day everyone will have it. But it was <laughs> one way to say, okay, you, you, you have uh, spent uh, $15 for, for Convert. Some of people have asked also for the source code of uh, Convert. So you have to ask for five bucks. You receive one disk with, uh, with the source code, uh, if you wanted. Uh, and so, uh, just to say thanks to all of these guys who say, okay, this is a gift from us. Uh, you can have a specific Lemmings release with a real label and uh, like an official version. Now, of course, you, you could imagine to, to copy the game, but in this case, you have a kind of uh, non-official release with, with, with not the nice label, say, Lemmings for Apple and so on. 
Now, you mentioned that you gave out the source code for Lemmings. And if you go to your website, there's actually a source code for many of your programs available. So what are your thoughts about the open source movement? Does this information want to be free? Okay, f f free means two things. Uh, you have the free software. F free means that you don't have to pay for and free means that you, you can use it uh, without any constraints. Okay, so it's a, it's a one way, it's one word in English, but it has two meanings. Uh, so let's say that we, f from the very beginning, we are programming in assembly language. So writing a software in assembly language, it, it's very easily to uh, give it back to assembly language because the disassembly will give you about what you have started with. Okay, so having a source code is very interesting, not for game, because they are very easily to uh, re-engineering, especially for uh, if it has been written in, uh, in assembly language. It's more interesting uh, in software, you have some algorithm inside, and convert was one of them, okay? Uh, looking in the source code for uh, reading a GIF file, a BMP, and so on, it was interesting to give the, the source code. Also, because we were thinking that uh, if you buy a software, especially a, a conversion software, a utility software, you may have a requirement to enhance it, to clean some bug, to, to move it. A game that's different. Uh, I give you the, the, the source code of a game, you're not going to change that much. Uh, if you take if you take the source code of Tiny, you won't add anything in the game because everything is already inside. So giving at the time, uh, 20 years ago, the source code of Convert was something which was very natural. Okay. Now it's clear that all of the source code uh, are providing for nearly all the software we, we did. Uh, because first of all, at the time, we had the idea to keep it uh, for probably uh, the future. And also because now, uh, we had the capability to share it on the website. It was probably more uh, complex at the time uh, because having his own um, partition server where you can put file was more complex. Uh, most of the time, uh, 10 years ago, you only have one page where you can put some graphic, but people in charge of the web uh, server was not really happy to let you uh, share file because he was taking resources and so on. So probably that we, we, we did it now because it's very cheap to put a lot of files on our website and this Antoine is uh, is managing the website now is increasing the number of pictures and of, of software all the cassette uh, recording he did and so on so it's probably easier now now it's clear that nearly everything we do uh, we publish the source code uh, because because we, we want to share and also because we have started in our uh, software by uh, using other piece of code and that's nice. That's nice to be able to be, okay, this is where we are, as far as I, I can go. If someone wants to continue where I have stopped, uh, we are happy. I also, uh, uh, sorry, Ken, I would like to add something to that. That at the beginning, I was very reluctant to uh, sharing the uh, the source code of Brutal Lux because I think that software creation is, uh, let's say, something a little bit personal. And I really wanted to keep it private, and uh, I wanted to give the final result to the users. But uh, I think there is another reason why I accepted the uh, offer of Olivier to release our source code to the others. That, uh, let's say, first of all, the Apple II market is dead, that's correct. But if that may help some other people, guys who, st who are in the this new century, uh, new people are still happy to uh, discover the Apple II. If that may help those people, then I'm really glad to uh, share it. And that was 
what we had uh, as a private discussion with the uh, crew, you know, Daniel Kushina from um, uh, a guy coming from the Coleco world. Uh, if that may help others, then I think the, the goal is reached. The uh, sharing the source code of the Apple II in assembly language in 2012 and do not share it is only uh, let's say a stupidity if you don't do that because we are here as a small community so we had or we have to help each other so that Olivier won <laughs> at a time and one thing probably prevent us to do it at the time was that some of our software were modified. Uh, Dr. Tom was one of the guys who had changed things in our software. Uh, and so we, we were really surprised to see that some of our software were modified. Uh, the, the scrolling text was modified and so on. So uh, on, the, on the latest release of the software, on, on the new one after, uh, especially after BI and so on, we had added some protection uh, to, to make sure that the text in the scrolling were not modified and so on. So not giving the source code also at the time was one way to make sure that no one could reassemble uh, the code and uh, change uh, the, the software, putting the amendment into the house. And remove the protections we were fighting against uh, when we were uh, pirates. <laughs> <laughs> You, 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 you were, I was. Yes, 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 you're correct, sorry, I was. I was. I, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the white knight here. <laughs> <laughs> you are the I'm bad the guy. Knight. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, you are discussing with the latest Apple II French pirate. <laughs> hmm. Earlier this month, Jordan Mechner released the source code to the original Prince of Persia. Have either of you had a chance to look at it? Yes. Do you have? Okay, because I, I have read it that he has just found it from his uh, his father. I want so, so, did, did he has released the source code? Is it public now? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Yes, I received a mail from a friend of mine telling me, hey, you know, the source code of Prince of Persia is not free. And I, uh, you know, uh, on that matter, I was, uh, f thanks to you, uh, especially to Ken and Mike, uh, regarding that, the source code uh, information was released, uh, thanks uh, thanks to you, I don't know from uh, if it was on Tuesdays or another platform, but you know the uh, comments on the uh, source, uh, the website of Jordan Mechner, or Mechner, you know, we have to discuss the way with <laughs> we have to discuss the way you will pronounce the last name of Jordan, is the Roland Gustafsson. I, I say that in a French uh, meaning, Roland Gustafsson. You know, the guy is more intriguing to me than uh, Jordan Mechner or Mechner, because Roland Gustafsson is a guy who has created plenty of operating systems, the Erdor 3.2, 3.3, and plenty of numerous protections for the Apple II. The guy who knows everything in in cycle counting on the Apple II protections. I think the guy should be more important or should be seen as more important than Jordan or other people in the Apple II world because those guys know the hardware more than a guy like Jordan. And I, I know I'm a world guy, but uh, Roland Gustafsson is, for me, one of the Apple II gods. Still alive. Yes, still alive, and he is about to release the RWTS 18. He say that on the comments of 
the uh, Dorothy McNair uh, entry for Prince of Persia, and I think it's it's more important because I am still a pirate. But uh, I think it's more important than the release of the source code of Prince of Persia. Yeah, but the source code has been lost for so many years, and uh, that's a symbol. So and that's nice that Jordan was a. Uh, a website where he, uh, he loves to go back in the past and to uh, have some memories about what he did at the time and so on. It's nice that finally uh, the source code was there because for many years he asked to many people, do you have my source code? Can you share with it to me and so on? And finally he found it by himself and that's nice because uh, he gave it to the community. Uh, Antoine, you recently contributed to a drift disk that was released. Can you tell me a bit more about what that is and what your contribution was? Oh, I have to admit that I didn't. I didn't know it was. It was released. I'm sorry about that because I missed. I missed the deadline probably because I work too much at my new office. But yeah, that's correct. I work with Daniel Krushner from uh, the Coleco World, you know, and uh, uh, Daniel contacted me and asked me uh, a few months ago. Uh, if I could help him and share and uh, program some Apple II code for, and say, when I say Apple II, I mean 8-bit code for, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know if we say that, uh, music demo. And uh, I, I was really delighted because I wanted to uh, to help and program in the 8-bit uh, world. And uh, I've... Uh, let's say accepted in less than 80 or let's say 80 milliseconds <laughs> and uh, the idea was to program the uh, produce version of uh, the loader of the program and the uh, getting the electric duet uh, player and the two and then add uh, another player and offer a way for Daniel and others to uh, use, listen to uh, the 8-bit version of a sort of music demo in 2012. And I think it's a way to uh, to thank Daniel for what he did for... Uh, I don't know, frankly, gentlemen. Did you get what? Did you did you see did you did you see the waterline demo on YouTube? Yes, I have. He won a contest for that about two years it's ago. It's fantastic. I'd really like mm -hmm. to uh, to program the same demo uh, on the Apple II, so that when I I received uh, a cassette, I don't know how we say a cartridge. Um, for the ColecoVision from Daniel, and I say to him, "Oh, what you did is fantastic! I, I would like to to help you. So please count count me in for uh, developing Apple II software, which will help you in uh, knowing the Apple II world." And uh, because I think <laughs> I have that knowledge <laughs> on the 8-bit version, and. Uh, what I did is, uh, like Olivier said, uh, I did the low-level interfaces, and the magic is done by Daniel and others only. And it was also for Daniel that you created the T40 text editor, right? That's correct. That's correct. Mm. Because I think the it is the same thing. If you can help because you know the machine better than others, then do it, especially if that is only a 24-hour challenge. <laughs> 24 challenge. But then it became a 24 weeks challenge. <laughs>
Now, do you prefer working with 8-bit or 16-bit Apple II computers uh, as far as programming goes? Uh, uh, I thought you would have the, ask the question because I come from the uh, 8-bit world and then I switched to uh, the 16-bit world and uh, as Olivier said, I use my GS primarily to uh, unprotect Apple II games and uh, as 8-bit versions. But then I would say that it's fun in 2012 to come back to the 8-bit to the 8-bit Apple II. But frankly, I wouldn't be able to program any any software in 8-bit. It's too difficult. It's really too difficult. I think uh, I admire people like Michael Mahon or other people who are still able to program Apple II programs in 8-bit. It's, it's it's too low for me. <laughs> and then I would say that the Apple II GS still has my uh, my love. Yeah, that's it. It's a matter of love. I think uh, the machine which is close to me is the best one that I have ever had. And I will still program for the Apple II GS probably in, let's say, for the next 12 years or 20 years or <laughs> 100 years. <laughs> hmm. Since you love the Apple II GS so much, is there anything you're doing to improve the operating system? Like maybe take system 6.0.1 to the next level, 6.0.2? Ah, the 6.02. Uh, uh, it's 602 is linked to two things. The, uh, what was the magazine name? Uh, GS Plus, if I'm correct. Uh, the guys from GS Plus were the specialists of the Apple II GS and uh, they saw plenty of bugs and the way to squash them. And then uh, I wanted to remove all those bugs but it was quite difficult at the time. There were other people. Uh, do you remember the name of the guy? Nathan Mates, if I'm correct, who was developing GUP, uh, Global Unifi Unified uh, Program Patcher, if I'm correct, or Patcher Program. And uh, I wanted to make it in a, in a global or in a simple way for users. So that I have disassembled the complete system thanks to uh, the Flaming Bird disassemble, and uh, then I've lost the code. <laughs> then I did that again, and uh, we reassemble it with uh, some extensions. Uh, I don't know if you recall the name of the extension, Olivier, but that was the French. Uh, there were two extensions. One for the uh, complete system in French and another one to uh, solve some bugs like the to text, the text edict uh, issue yeah, yes I like the text edict one ex uh, correct but for me the extension of the system now is uh, is made by the furniture of new FST because creating a 602 is uh, is uh, just enhancing what we have so writing new FST is a uh, very nice way to makes the system software better than it was. Oh, that's correct. And uh, what programs are you working on now? What's your next big release from Brutal Deluxe? Uh, Olivier. Mm -hmm. um, okay, it's, it's, it's not a product by itself. Uh, it's more one way to do software. I think that the, the next generation of software 
are not going to be created on the Apple2GS itself, uh, but more with the cross-compiler uh, software. So I'm working um, on um, a set of tools to be able to to build software uh, for the Apple2GS, but based on a, on a PC or a Macintosh. Uh, it means it's a set of tools. Uh, the first of it is, of course, an assembler. The second one is a disassembler. The third one is the one capable to directly write uh, into two MG uh, image disks because when you assemble something on the PC, you need, of course, especially if you exe, you are creating as resources, you, need, you can't create it directly on the PCR drive. You need to have a target, which could be a two MG and so on. So I'm currently working from the PC side uh, to make everything easier for someone who want to create and uh, even for us. Uh, to create the next generation of Apple 2GS software. Because if I have to create an Apple 2GS now, 20 years after, if I restart Merlin uh, in 80 column and 24 line, if I have to start with Apple 2GS, it's going, I'm not going to be better than I was 20 years ago. But if I use my PC, my 23-inch screen, with, um, uh, with all the source code open in several uh, text editors, I will be more efficient. Okay, so this is what we are doing now. This is my part of the job is to make sure that we have the right tool uh, to make things that we could do don't do uh, at the time because of the of the limitation of the um, Apple 2GS itself. There are many sources we can't recompile because they are too big. Uh, uh, most of the big sources of Apple 2GS was um, compiled using MPW cross-platform with Macintosh. We don't want that anymore. Uh, we, we need to be capable to create and to compile software and to assemble software from any modern computer like a PC or a Macintosh directly using uh, a pure natural software. Of course, everything would be in open source and so on. So I think that the, the, the next generation of software is not going to be created from the Apple but for the Apple from the outside world. And I think that and, and most of what we have in the Apple the best thing we have in the Apple are created outside. The base pictures as the 3,200 pictures color, they, do, they are not created on the Apple IIgs. They are converted to the Apple IIgs. The base music, they, are, they come from MIDI, MIDI outside. So we, we take a real musician, they create MIDI things outside, and we import them in the JS, and it's fantastic, and so on. So probably trying to make software for the JS inside of the JS will, is probably something that we, we are going to be limited. Uh, if we have the capability to give anyone the capability from a PC or Mac to create software because we can use the power of the computer to compile, to assemble, to make some uh, search and replace in, in full text instead of to be limited to the 64 kilobyte of a source code as we have in Merlin, uh, 16 plus, uh, that will be fantastic. So this is what, what we are doing now. We are working in the way to make everything work outside of the GS for the GS. That's it. Oh, those, are, those sound like there'll be some extremely valuable tools for the community. Thank you. It's what we need because it's it, it, it's hard to wake up and to start uh, Merlin, thing, uh, Merlin, uh, Merlin 16 uh, now because you look at that you used to you use Visual C++ uh, all your day long and uh, it's hard to, to go back 20 years uh, in the past. So working with today tools would be easier for anyone uh, to create and to make uh, the new generation of software. What are your favorite programs that you've already released? What are you most proud of? Linux probably, Convert also. And what's, what programs or what hardware or software out there in the Apple II community do you most appreciate or value? Um, in the past or in, the, in today's world? Uh, let's focus on today's world. Probably the CFAA card because uh, it's probably what we need. Uh, the Apple IIgs has some limitations. 
uh, and uh, hardware uh, like um, hard disk and so on. And the communication with, with, between the, the Apple IIgs and the outside world was limited in, in the time. Uh, the CFFA card uh, gives the opportunity to quickly solve two, two, the two things. We have uh, a mass storage device that do not use any movement. So it's not going to be dead the next day because the disk is not uh, running and so on. So we have a nice way to, to be inside the Apple IIgs with a USB key or something. So we can remove everything which is outside of the Apple IIgs. And in one way, we just have to unplug uh, the file to be able to connect it to the PC. And in our mind to create the software for the GS from a PC or a Mac, uh, this is something which is uh, very terrific. And from my point of view, it's not another way of saying it's the ADT Pro software from David Schmidt. I think it's the link until I write FTP, FST for the Apple GS, but I'll do that one day. And uh, I think it's a perfect solution. I, I think what Olivis uh, was saying is that what is important nowadays is the way to interconnect the Apple to GS and the Apple to world to modern computers. And uh, the, FFE, the FFE card is close to that. And uh, the work from Joseph Jeff Weiss is close also. But uh, I think we, we need a native solution on the Apple to world. I won't discuss about the Contiki world because it is already existing. But as I am not... Uh, 8-bit guy, I won't tell about that, but um, I think the way to interconnect machines through the uh, u card, which is also important, or through RG4-5 uh, is is very important, but we are missing something on the Apple II part, the FTP and the modern connections, and I really would like Tony Diaz, for example, to release uh, all information about the Apple II uh, Ethernet card so that people would be able to use an Apple II connected to the modern world instead of using emulators to do that. Yeah, but the thing for me, an Apple II is um, is a software plus electronic stuff. And what, what makes the difference between an Apple II and an Atari ST or Amiga, they are closed machine. Apple II is a very open machine and looking 20 years later, to people still making hardware, it means something you can touch, something you can put on the machine, and so on. This is magic, and this is the difference between the Apple II community and the other one, like the Commodore and so on. That's correct. We are still people making hardware stuff, oh, and yes. that's fantastic. Because it, 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 you, you, you don't have anything to modify. This card could have been done probably before, but you put it, and your Apple II GS come in the future, uh, go to the future. Uh, the Utilat card, you make the Apple IIgs connectable to the today's network. You have the CFFF card, you make the Apple IIgs to have the, cap the Apple II to have the capability to connect to modern USB key and so on. And that's fantastic because we can make software that's cheap, but the guy who makes the hardware, they're part of the side of the Apple IIgs. So we can make software, we can do hardware they can, and that's fantastic. And I think we, we need both of them. So people making the hardware probably needs people to make the software, and people like us who make the software really need the guy who makes the hardware because that's two different worlds and this is why probably the Apple IIgs and the Apple II community is very specific because of that because we have the capability to play with the GS as a pure programming level like any today's computer but we have also the capability to play with the GS as an electronic level which is probably much harder to do with laptop and so on where there is no more real connection or with a PC world which is much more complex so the Apple II is fantastic for that it's a very gaming path for developer and 
uh, hardware maker. Yes, but I would add that uh, from my experience over the last years is that we are lacking software developers. We have plenty of hardware developers, guys who are very clever, the guys uh, who are developing MP3 card, I'm glad I have it, uh, the CFFE card, etc, etc. But we are only five people developing software from time to time, uh, let's say at the best effort level. And I think that what is dying within the Apple II world is that we are lacking software developers. We have hardware developers, we have hardware specialists, but uh, we are lacking Apple II software developers. Now, a lot of the hardware that you mentioned is used to extract data from aging media like floppy disks and move them to somewhere else. But Antoine, you've been going even farther back than that and working with even older media by preserving a various library of cassette tapes. Can you tell me about that a bit? You know, I am a collector. Uh, I have that in uh, in my veins thanks to my father. And uh, I wanted to uh, know the Apple II better than I used to, to know. And I remember a long time ago that on the on the, one of the auction uh, system, uh, eBay, I, I thought it was, I missed the Santa Paravia game, Santa Paravia and Fumetio, if I remember correctly the name. And uh, that was one of the uh, first games I've ever played on the Apple II with uh, Snakebite. And I missed that game for less than 10 bucks. So that I say to myself, I need to get all the software for all the Apple II cassettes. I need to know the listing of the Apple II cassettes because I thought there were only 30 <laughs> of them. And then I discovered the Apple II market uh, or the Apple I and Apple II market from the beginning to, let's say, the beginning of the 80s. And there are more now than, uh, let's say, close to uh, 600 cassettes ever released for the Apple II from people like uh, Galfo Systems. And Galfo Systems released the G uh, system, which is uh, an Apple II integer basic compiler for the Apple II used on the uh, commercial software like... Um, uh, you know, same simulations from Sublogic or uh, another company. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, the uh, the idea is that as if you have the uh, collector idea or way of living in mind, you want to know everything and anything because that is the way we say that, and uh, you want to know all the software ever released from a publisher, and then go to another publisher, another publisher, etc, etc, and then <laughs> you raise that level of information and that you realize that the way you <laughs> you you have uh, the website on the Mortal Lux is not sufficient, it's not efficient, I would say, because people would like to know everything about that, would like to share and use, and uh, we don't have a common way to uh, store data from cassettes. Uh, and this is a discussion we had with uh, the guy from Virtual 2 
and it's very difficult. The the idea, as Olivier said, uh, just like the source code, is that you want to share it with others because it may help others, or it may it may be useful to others, and it may please others in with playing with the images that you be you are building for others. But please find a way to make something uh, a standard, and we don't have it for cassettes. We don't have it for discs. We don't have it for all the different media that we have on the Apple II world. We don't have any standard uh, website to get images, just like we have with a Lemon C64. I think what, the other way we are missing the Apple II world is that we have plenty of people who have good initiatives like Mike. Mike, I thank you for your uh, Apple2Scans.net site. It's fantastic. But I also do that on Bolter Deluxe. Uh, there are people who are doing that on other sites. I don't know how we could be able to do a common site and common repository, just like we have with our sort of with Asimov on the uh, disk images, because we are people of goodwill. But we, are, I think, we are not smart smart enough to discuss and be able to say we will put that here and only here and share it with others and uh, this is something I, 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 I don't know how we could do that if we need a sort of a guru to tell us let's say uh, Steve Wozniak and tell him please Steve tell us where we should put everything for others to play with because otherwise the Apple II will be dead in a few years because we have the hardware guys on one side, the software guys on one side and uh, and uh, the scans of magazines and other things on uh, Mike's site <laughs> probably some French underground discs on the Brutal Lux site but please, uh, how can we do that? We need to share everything and put that in only one place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very important topic to consider because the best way to preserve data is to put it in many hands. And on one hand, as you said, everybody is doing their own thing and they're doing a great job of it. You with your cassettes, Mike with his scans, Bill Martins with Beagle Brothers and others. And yet at the same and we're definitely not competing, but at the same time we want to make sure that someone else has all this stuff because we never know when one of us might get hit by a bus. That's correct. I, you summarize that in one sentence. That tells me that I should progress into English. But that's it. I don't do that for competition. I do that for sharing and for exchanges, for exchanging with others. I think it's important that everything is stored, saved for others. And for the future generations, if they don't die on the 12th of December this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I want to thank you two for being on the show. I know that we could continue talking for ages about every aspect of the Apple II community. I just have two more quick questions to wrap up. One is, where does the name Brutal Deluxe come from? Okay, this is for me, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, the short answer is it's from the Speedball 2 game, uh, from Bitbat Brother, which is available from Atari ST, Amiga, Mega, uh, Genesis System, and so on. So it's a, a Speedball game. So it's a two brutal team fighting uh, each other 
um, to score. It's a, so it's a very brutal game, and one of the team is named Brutal Deluxe. Okay, so we, this is a short answer. Now the real reason why this name sounds nice and what, why we we have chosen it, uh, just for the fun of it, I would say, uh, it looked like uh, a bad guy name team. Okay, Brutal Deluxe means wow, they are probably very brutal. They are they, they are probably fighting each other and so on. And w when we look at the Apple II community and probably a little bit around group of cracking uh, like to be described themselves as bad guys you know uh, event very no no the, the, the cracking guy if, if you look at the first fresh united cracker clan if you look even a little bit uh, elsewhere uh, the guy in charge of cracking game probably in the us and so on when you look at the name of the the, 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 the alias they find for themselves they try to dis to be seen as very bad guy making bad things and so on and and this is the opposite because most of the time they are just computer guys they probably are very good in math at school you know they are not the kind of guy who are stealing something in a shop and so on so we, we love the idea to for all of these guys trying absolutely to be desperate to be seen as bad guy who are probably not as bad as any other and probably very nice guys uh, and it was funny for that so just for the fun of it we say okay just to to make it fun, we say, okay, uh, let's take the, the stupidest name we can find, Brutal Deluxe, that make us think that we are very bad guys, like in the game, very brutal, and that will be fun. And also because the name Brutal and Deluxe are opposite uh, each other. So it was one way to make fun or to uh, to have fun for all the other group who like to despite uh, themselves as a, as a bad guy uh, of the block. That's it. So there is nothing else than a, a joke at the beginning. But uh, yeah, then there's a team from a well-known software. Well, it's, it's Speedball 2, the game from... Uh, from the Bitmap Brothers. Yeah, what I said at the beginning. This is a fantastic game that I played on the Mega Drive with uh, a friend of mine. Genesis. Genesis for you, uh, you non-French people. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Fantastic game. I'd like to get the software on the Apple II GS, Olivier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that too. And my last question for you, you two are very much members of the Apple II community. Your names and Brule Deluxe's name are well known. Your work is known. You're active in IRC and on CSA2. When are we going to get to see you in person at Kansas Fest? Ha. Huh. When I have enough money, I would say. <laughs> no, the thing is, if we have to go, we probably have to go together. Okay, yes. that's the first point. Okay, uh, I go to the US every year. Uh, I will be in uh, in Florida next month. Okay, so uh, being in the US is not very complex. Uh, I go very often. Okay, so uh, now being uh, at summer time uh, there is important uh, we have to do that uh, we already talked about that we have now to uh, make sure that we can do that together okay and we also have something to show clearly if we go this year uh, the, the pocket will be nearly empty okay if we go when we have something strong that could be probably very nice uh, be, uh probably better okay so it's it's something on the schedule. It's probably not for this year, uh, as you have heard. Uh, the two years old baby is crying. Uh, so uh, we have also to make sure that the family staying here uh, is okay for for this time. Uh, but clearly, it's a wish. Uh, it's something that will be done once. 
probably uh, not this year. No, uh, surely we'll do that. But uh, frankly, to be to, to, to be honest, uh, as Olive said, it's it's a matter of uh, of money, and especially uh, to me, more than Olivier probably. But uh, as we 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 were not able to afford it this year, we have asked John Romero to go to <laughs> <laughs> to Kansas Fest. <laughs> well, you said that you want to have something to show when you come to Kansas Fest. Maybe you could cheat and show one of your fellow countrymen's works instead, like the SmartPort virtual hard drive. No, um, what I feel is very important is to get in touch with French people and other people from uh, the European countries. You know, like people from Vladimir Ravinov uh, or the guy who is selling uh, plenty of different connectors for the Apple II from Bulgaria. And uh, because I think it's really important to save all the knowledge that we have there in Europe, because France at that time, France at that time was the second market of the Apple II. And um, I keep on calling and uh, exchanging. And before the podcast, I've, today I was discussing discussing with Nicole Breopolikan. Nicole Breopolikan was probably the best seller of Apple II books in France. And uh, I like discussing with people like that because they have plenty of things to tell you. And uh, this is exactly the same thing with modern hardware like the SPVHD from uh, Cédric Pelletier. And Cédric has plenty of ideas. And what I would like is that Cédric delivered the first version of his smart port virtual hard drive to the others meaning a way to connect image, disk images on an Apple IIc, on an Apple IIe, and on Apple, all Apple II with smart port devices, or drives, or I don't know if you call that, cards probably. And it's, it's a really good software. But, <clears throat> you know, it's the way with uh, a hobby, it takes time and you have to feed your family so that please be kind to him because if you don't see the SPVHD now uh, to a theater near you like you say in the United States <laughs> that's because he, he has a real work he has a real work and uh, this is the, uh, the reason why you don't see anything but what is great is that the uh, it's fantastic that in 2012 people are still releasing hardware or software like that. But I think that in the following weeks, uh, Cedric will update his website and offer you the ability to connect to, uh, uh, let's say, PayPal or other ways or as a means to pay for something to get your SPVHD because it's really close to completion. Because the... Uh, how, the uh, the hardware and the the, the molding is uh, done. It's a matter of soldering it, and uh, Cedric is doing that on his own, <laughs> and one SPVHD per day. So that, please be kind to him <laughs> if you <laughs> if you have ordered yours to him. <laughs> Consider that plenty of other people have done that, and uh, 
the first 20 uh, SPVHD devices are ready but uh, or molted but they need to be built now with uh, soldering uh, is soldering iron of um, uh, of Cedric and then be sent to you and can't you help Antoine with soldering no I won't help with soldering <laughs> it's a <laughs> Antoine has joke. a terrific a history with uh, soldering really like soldering. Uh, he crashed a hard drive and yes, so on so if, 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 if you can see a soldering thing try to put Antoine as far as you can from <laughs> the, because if not the project is going to take one year uh, of delay, so yeah, don't, don't don't even give Antoine any electronic component or thing like that. This is why we we, we put electronic into, between plastic inside a plastic case. It's because of guy like Antoine who can destroy everything very quickly. So yes, well, we all have our strengths, and Antoine's is not soldering. <laughs> no, that's correct. This is my weakness, and uh, I have to admit that I'm not good at soldering. But it, 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 that 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 mine. My uh, strengths are, uh, I don't know where, but <laughs> it's not at soldering, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you two have many strengths, and that Brule Deluxe together is more than the sum of its parts. So thank you very much for being on the Open Apple and talking to us about everything that you've brought to the community. We really appreciate it. Okay, so thanks for asking us to talk with you tonight, and it was nice to have you also. Yes, it's good to speak with you, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Okay, sure. I think I would like to add something because you know we are uh, Oliver and I in the, from the uh, old, old, old ancient. I don't know if from the past century, Apple to users, where I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you are not users at all, are visible on the the Comsys Apple to uh, news group, etc., etc. But I would like to say that thanks to you, you are still making the Apple II alive in 2012 and 2004, etc., etc., etc. And that is really important to us that we have people like you who are connecting people, Apple II users. And thanks to you, I think we still have the Apple II community. I really believe that without you, we wouldn't have that Apple II community. Well, I think we all play a role in that, and that there is a community takes a community, and we all bring our strengths to it, just as you two have. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks to you. I'll talk to you again. Okay. Thank you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Ken. This has been the Open Apple Podcast. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.open-apple.net.